Hello, welcome and thank you for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Ebehim. In this episode, I have a conversation with Marcial Jesus. He's an architect and the founder of 100 Architects in Shanghai. He shares with us his experience in the architecture field from how he opened his office in Shanghai to why his designs have exciting bright colors. Marcial's passion for public spaces and his design interventions inspire us to think differently about ideas on transforming public space. He also shares with us an interesting story of how the name 100 Architects came about. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Marcial. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you. So welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be participating in this podcast. It's my first post- podcast. It's Yay. first time that I do something like this, so I'm actually pretty excited as well. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Thank you for choosing us. <laughs> yes. So I want to start from the beginning. So what got you into the design profession? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm not really sure, actually. I think that I, I repeated many times when I was younger that I wanted to be an architect, maybe not <laughs> knowing why. But I can tell that there's a few things in my past. Okay. My father used to used to build. What's the name of the 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 kind of house that you move with your car? You oh, know, like like, uh, you, like the vans, like the, the, the like the tiny homes. Yes, the the, the mobile home. You the know mobile. what I mean? Like the, uh-huh. exactly. So he used to do that as a hobby. I mean, in the garage in oh. our house, in the south of Chile. Of course, very badly and bad looking as well. But he used <laughs> to do it. So maybe I got embedded in 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 my interests from the very beginning that somehow when you pay attention into a project and you build little by little different and you put pieces together little by little, mm-hmm. you, you you get a final result after some time. And other than that, I can say that I was always good at drawing. At some point, okay. I thought that I wanted to, to study arts or something like that. Luckily, I didn't, I believe. <laughs> okay, so I guess, um, that kind of leads me to asking you what your passion for design and architecture is. It, you know, my passion for design and architecture has changed and sh- been shaped hmm. according to, to the time. You know, at the beginning, I could say mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't that clearly what it is now. At first, maybe I liked uh, a lot, like, the, the, when I just started in the architecture, I, I you know, I worked for a few big architects that, you know, they would do metropolitan scale projects. And I used to believe that that was sort of like the shed. And this has been shifting in a way. And now my passion is really uh, to work in the public space. You know, that that's actually, I could say that this is what really makes me, like makes me eager and, and excited about our profession. Mm, very nice. So how do you get, how did you get started with 100 Architects? And I guess, can you tell us about what you're up to right now and Yes, so, well, I think that <clears throat> I think that to, to, to answer to that question, I need to go a little bit even more back to the past. I have to go to, um, you know, I'm from Chile. Chile mm-hmm. is a pretty small country. And even like uh, I spent my childhood in a small city in the south of Chile. So mm-hmm. until I was like 10 or 11, I just lived in that small city. The city is called Laja. So it's, it's a city that very few people live there. Because mm-hmm. of the job of my father, essentially. But the point here is that then after that, I sort of moved to Santiago. Then after that, uh, when I went to the University of Chile, which is the public university of Chile, uh, 
I, I think that I got great professors, but at some point in that university, they they opened some exchange program to, okay. and I, I went to Italy, and that was sort of my first time outside Chile, right? Okay. And that was when I was like around 21. And uh, I believe that, that that experience was many very very meaningful. That's why I was I, I wanted to start by by that experience because that sort of I was just uh, eight months I think or something studying mm-hmm. in Venice, you know. But that experience it was Europe, nothing to do with China that I'm living. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was a, a very significant experience in which in which I got to sort of like get excited for this outer world and I wanted to live outside so I tried to do my best to actually finish my career in mm-hmm. another university in Europe which didn't work but then later on I think that in my fourth year of, of degree I went again to do uh, uh, an internship in the the office of Ma- Massimiliano Fuxas in Rome so okay. it was also a really great experience, six months in which I was just a trainee learning from the very basic, helping in the very basic tasks. But somehow that also sort of made me very excited about the profession and made me dream because I got to see firsthand how the big architects are actually, you know, like proposing those great and huge metropolitan scale projects. Mm-hmm. So that also sort of was very inspiring. You know, although I didn't, yeah. it was just an internship, but it was very inspiring. And then after that, I, I I liked it so much. So then I came back to Chile, but somehow I wanted to go and work again abroad in Europe because Europe was the shit at that point. <laughs> so I, I, I sort of applied for going to Rotterdam and to OMA. So that OMA is a very important company with Rem mm-hmm. Kool, has very famous architects. So of course, I wanted to, to work there and I wanted to spend some time there because that that what it was that was my version of success or to or, or mm. to sort of approach success at that point like to work with the big names right yeah so I really did my best to to apply to that and I got this position that I held for one year so it was the entire 2010 oh, so wow. that year also was very meaningful and really transformed myself I believe because also I got to see firsthand and participate on the process of mm-hmm. how doing uh, architecture competitions in bigger scale, how to really deal with the, how, how a big company of architecture that was famous and, and, and everyone admired mm-hmm. and admires still today, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, how, how they did it, how, they, how the internal process was uh, structured. Maybe I didn't get it completely, of course, that was only one year, I was very young, it was an entry position entry-level position, but it was great and it also inspired me that I think that is very important. And then I essentially didn't want to go back to Chile, and but I needed to go back to finish my studies because mm-hmm. I needed to the, 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 the final degree. I needed to do the final test, the final project. Yeah. So I went very quickly. I finished. I did it very quickly somehow because I was excited to come back. But then I got this possibility of coming to China by... In, invited by this uh, company from Australia, very big company as well. That's called Hassel. It's a, it's a nice architectural studio as well. I think that is the biggest of, from Australia. So it was a great opportunity. And I came to China uh, as a junior architect for this company. And it was also, essentially, that's the reason why I'm in China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but shortly after being here, like I think that it was because I arrived in 2011. Shortly after, I believe that it was 2013, that 
I, you know, met this guy that he was all into business and the guy sort of told me that uh, he put this seed in my head, like, you don't need to be the best architect yet, but you can do your company. Mm-hmm. Because I got I got this idea, this wrongly misleading idea that a lot of actually young people has, that you need to know how to do what you are going to offer in order to have a business, right? Exactly. That, yeah. that, that's something that is being told. Like, you, of course, you are offering a service, so you need to mm-hmm. be an expert on it. Exactly. But that's, I believe that it's not necessarily true because you can learn on the way. And yeah. also, there's a, yeah, you can essentially learn on the way. And also, like, uh, there's a lot of people like waiting for, for, for having this perfect idea of what to do, what to sell, especially architects or what is my style or whatever. Yes, but, yes. But, but uh, it's very important, I believe, to also uh, defy that, that paradigm and to, to say clearly that that's a misconception and to understand that ideas, that you don't have ideas, that, that's not the real thing. You, you never have an idea that what the good ideas, at least, are the ideas that are built. Mm. So you little by little, you add different pieces until you have a perfect idea. And the biggest projects, not only architectural projects, I'm talking about any type of projects or endeavor that, that man, mankind has undertaken. I believe that those are ideas that are built among, I mean, among many people and also throughout many years and many, many fails as well. So I think that there's no problem to have a company that is not absolutely clear or even the, the, the service that you provide mm. might not be perfect or you might not be an expert on it, but you can already do it. So that's, I believe, that is the moment in which I decided that uh, I wanted to have a company, at least. I didn't know yet what kind of company, but I just mm-hmm. knew that I wanted you know? Wow. You know, it's, it's, I think it's so perfect that you bring, that you bring that up and you mentioned that because I'm actually currently struggling with that whole idea in the sense that, you know, just like you said, we, we kind of, we kind of feel that we need to have an idea fully developed or we need to have an exact plan or like a yeah. style of architecture and all of that. And that's something I've really been struggling with. But I'm slowly exactly. breaking out of that mentality that I have to have my own style or I need to know exactly where I'm going. So now I'm just like kind of exploring through layers of design. I'm exploring like my different passions and just trying to be creative, as creative as possible. That's exactly. A and, and I think that that's fantastic because like this, at the end, this is like a Darwin theory of evolution, right? Like you mm-hmm. try many, many... Uh, different prototypes or, of something and eventually one of them will just pass through the next stage and again we'll have many uh, developments out of that idea that is better than the other ones that failed but there's no shame on it so it's, yeah. it's fine to it's fine to try you know yes I, I, and honestly I feel it all comes from us trying to almost trying to be perfectionists as architects yeah. <laughs> exactly okay yeah, so that's actually a really interesting story. Thank you for sharing that, um, you know, your journey with us. And mm-hmm. I want to ask, so now that you have 100 architects, you know, established and you're still growing, you have beautiful projects. <laughs> I wanted to ask, what is your goal or kind of if you can give us a sneak peek of the future of 100 architects? Yeah, well, at this point, we are working on, on trying to develop this, to, essentially to scale the business. Now, mm-hmm. that, that's essentially the main 
focus of our day-to-day job. And mm-hmm. we are trying to, because at, somehow in the past three years, I would say that those are, have been, although Hundred Architects was founded in 2013, mm-hmm. I would say, being honest with you, like the four, the, the last four years maybe, is mm-hmm. when the whole thing became a little bit more serious, like a real company. The first three years were really, really, really a struggle, like doing nothing, you know? I mean, I honestly speaking, the first three years, I did like many projects for free. Some of them weren't built. Some of them were out of the actual focus of the company. Some Mm. others, uh, there were a lot of effort during the weekends. I would have a job on the side, of course, because I needed to pay my bills. Yeah. and uh, th- there were there would be it would be uh, time consuming and a lot of weekends and hours involved there not partying or maybe working hangover you know like just doing it anyways <laughs> yeah. and uh, somehow all that period also uh, uh, so it it didn't a, a lot of those things didn't lead to anything a lot of others didn't didn't have any succession on on something that yeah. is next but at least I, we learned and mm-hmm. a lot of others actually did have uh, some sort of uh, results, uh, tangible results that we were later on able to capitalize mm-hmm. on, on them, you know? And answering your question, well, the last four years, or especially the last, the, from 2017, essentially, mm-hmm. so the entire 2017, so let's say three years and a half, has been the year that the company really got uh, to be a, a, a proper company, you know, with mm. infrastructure, with uh, employees, with uh, a person in charge of the uh, administration. Uh, now we are trying to strengthen the uh, business development department. So we are hiring people for, for, for that uh, positions. And we have like many architects hired, like we're a team of about 15 people. Wow. So, so there's a more than one team there's more than one project leader within our teams you know and it works we have a structure that is just clear now at this point so mm-hmm. now in this moment before coronavirus at least i could say <laughs> the, the the purpose and the focus and mm-hmm. the energies were placed on the goal of expanding the business mm-hmm. by that i mean that we want to do more projects uh, i mean First of all, to do bigger scale, okay? Mm-hmm. So we are actually doing many projects bigger scale. The point that when you start doing more projects that have a, a, a bigger scale, they take longer to be built. So yeah. we are now waiting, like, for the next two years, like, actually, the, the good examples of the projects that we did last year. So it's going to be, it's going to take a little while because those projects also belong to to higher schemes that also to a more metropolitan scale maybe not not mm-hmm. that big but still they, they belong to more like a, a real estate developments and they it, it just doesn't depend on us but yeah. all those all those sort of like a big scale projects we are hoping that they are going to be built soon so there is something bigger that is coming for us so you know like we are we are uh, sort of uh, departing from the previous scale there was a lot of intervention and small things Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we, we will always keep doing that. But as a business now, to be profitable, we also want to, and to be also more meaningful. Because at the end, I love placemaking. I, I love to, to, to surprise people with our projects. I love those kind of like quick and fast done interventions for the, that could be in the public space like that. But to be honest, also to, to have something more significant and something that is not that ephemeral, again, because something significant needs to, uh, uh, is somehow opposite to ephemeral, right? Because significant mm-hmm. 
requires to to be grounded in the space for hopefully longer. So uh, we are looking to that. So doing more projects that belong to this scale of landscape architecture that we are already on it actually, but also to to go beyond the borders of China. And, and we've been already working a lot in the Middle East. Somehow, you know, all those places, our focus is a lot in the developing world. Mm. Or, or I don't want to see undeveloped because yes. on the, on the, the, middle, the Middle East is actually very developed in, in certain ways. But they are actually building infrastructure in this moment, like entire pieces of their cities. So, so it's a good opportunity for architects like us that we have this sort of new proposal i see it at least in that way like we we have like a, some different proposal something that they might like especially that it looks like a, a, they they really need this kind of activation like a lot of time when you build uh, in a rush let's say mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way but a lot of time when something is built quickly and developed very quickly there's a lack of identity, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't pass through the processes that just to build and shape our cities in the past. Like instead, it needs to be super quick. Maybe one uh, architecture studio, a, a big one, okay. of course, one of those that are like more like uh, corporations, they probably take care of the entire, you know, like 20 blocks of one city and they design themselves with the same material, same look. Maybe very wood schemes, but still is in lack of this thing, uh, of this granulometry. That was mm-hmm. that the, the Asian city was built with. It's the European city or the colonial city or the different type of cities that weren't planned in this way. So in that regard, a lot of times they want some uniqueness. And, yes. and for that, of course, we are we are definitely uh, good to collaborate with. I believe. Yes, for sure. And nice that you brought that up because. I was going to touch a bit about on your um on your projects. Your projects mm-hmm. are very colorful and I love it because I personally love color. <laughs> so I wanted to find out why or what inspires um you to have your designs in color and why yeah. is there an emphasis of color on your design? Yes, look, it's an interesting question because I could stretch a little bit to the back what we were saying just now, like when mm-hmm. we started our business, because that has, that has a lot to do with the 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 first questions when we when we said like, okay, let's do a business. How do we start a business? Well, I was 26 years old. I'm talking about seven years in the past. Yeah. And I, uh, 2013, and I, I tried to think, okay, you know, like... Uh, I, I knew that I was somehow a good designer. Of course, there might be thousands of people better than me because they've been doing it from way before. And yeah. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna compete doing. You know, I, I actually it, that's what I meant also before when I said time bend, time bends your ideas and your 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 passions because yeah. my passion wasn't necessarily public space at that point, but somehow I learned and I built that passion. I believe trying to sort of find something that I could be uh, like good at, you know, especially good at something that it wasn't done yet or something like that in a way. So the the, the first point here was like, okay, we are not going to get clients being 26 years old (laughs) and uh, trying to do shopping malls because, of course, no one will give us a few million dollars to do a shopping mall. (laughs) Also doing houses, probably not, you know, like 
there's a lot of good architects that are very lucky and they are young and at some point you know their father decides to do a house and they of course hire their daughter yes, or their son yes. and then they have this advantage because in their portfolio there's already a, a good house mm-hmm. you know built in, in the mountains so they can you know like start with that at least because at the end in architecture you need a built project as a demonstration to do the mm-hmm. next one and no client trusts you until you sort of build something similar to what they want you to build so exactly. It, the growth is really slow, right? So uh, the, the the first idea that we had at this point is that, okay, as a conclusion of all this, we need to do something that calls the attention online. So how do you call the attention online when it's so, you know, there's such a overwhelming amount of designs going on, you know, yes. design boom. I mean, it's impossible. Like how good needs to be your render, because it's yes. a render at the end, to call the attention of, you know, like thousand people, or, or to win even to the client, to the sorry, to the designs that are built, it's almost impossible. But we said here, okay, so let's think the other way around. We need something that, and this concept came at that point, like pop and controversial. Like pop because it's easy to digest, mm-hmm. and controversial because how do we do something controversial? Then we said, well, yeah. the only way that we thought that could be controversial is to be in the public because. If it's in the public space, it's the only way that that even people who are not architects they might give a shit, you know. Yes. But if you don't, but if you are not an architect, like I mean, I don't know you, but all my friends that are not architects, they are not. They don't give a shit about I don't know a, a, a building <laughs> or the, the coolest design ever. I mean, come on. Yeah. But if something happened outside their door or in the plaza that is nearby or in this their street, wow, they care. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the place that belongs to them. And and like this with everything, essentially, you don't need to be an architect to care about the public space. So that was a very simple logic. Like, why should we do something pop and controversial? Well, the reason is only because like this, we could start a business. doing And, and the, the, the pop factor is also needs to be uh, eye-catching, contrasting. So it can it can be pop, right? It can be mm-hmm. something not traditional. Uh and and therefore we came with the the color uh, the color sort of uh, strategy. So mm-hmm. like this, we alienate the object from its surrounding. It needs to be colorful. It needs mm-hmm. to be. Uh, it needs like to be. Different. It needs to stand out. It's stand down and immediately recognizable. And in, again, it doesn't need to mix with the surrounding. Otherwise, we mm-hmm. we would be doing landscape architecture. So those concepts that I'm talking about are sort of strategies very in a very abstract way because applies to all our projects. So we, we learned that that was somehow a, a strategy more than a style. So mm-hmm. we needed to pass our design through those filters in order to actually do our projects that would, in a way, at least this is what we thought at that point, projects that would uh, be published and would somehow create a lot of traffic through our website, more than if we show a pretty house, mm. because that everyone can do. So this is a conclusion somehow, but it's re- retroactive, because in a way, we used it now, now we learn to like it, you know? I mean, if yeah. you ask me about what they like, I like actually colorful as well, but I'm not <laughs> even with it. <laughs> yes, they really are very eye-catching. So is your um are your colors your color choices are they based on the design? Normally like, normally like this this is a is something that comes as I said before as a strategy before even starting the design. But mm-hmm. then of course with our clients there there's entire uh, 
color face, you know. Oh, which, okay. Like we of course start the project already proposing colors and everything is outstanding and probably clients that call us they are mm -hmm. not looking for you know like uh, cotton Colorful. steel and and wood. no they are looking for colorful you mm -hmm. know because that's why they look for us and when they when when we go with them through the entire process of design at some point there is this stage which is uh, the, the 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 color choice so probably the client want three options they see three options sometimes they don't like any of them they ask for three more or sometimes they just pick one of them and this is essentially this happens essentially pretty much in all projects hey there hope you're enjoying the conversation so far i've shared some of the projects marcial references underneath the episode's highlight on our instagram page at layers of design underscore also if there's an architect or designer that you'd like us to interview, send a message with their name. We'd love to have a conversation with designers that inspire you. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Marcel. Wow, that's very cool. Thank you for sharing that process. Okay, so I wanna ask you, what has been your best or your most challenging project? Best of most or most challenging projects mm -hmm. um, at least I have to it's a difficult question because <laughs> I think that they haven't I haven't had them yet oh, <laughs> you know? wow. I mean, I, mean I, I what I mean is that I cannot call one that is my our best project I think that <laughs> probably I'm very happy with a few projects that are on the way now they are not yet built uh, of course I have a few of the projects that we've uh, built that I think that I'm, I'm proud of and they also have helped us to, to to capitalize a lot upon them. Two of them I can tell you. One is the project that we did in Dubai, that's called Creek Play. Okay. That yeah. is a very very large project. It's a very special project. It's a waterfront also, and there's a lot of different public space activities and functions, and it's the real attractor in the Creek Play uh, Marina in in Dubai. It's actually a, a great attractor. It's so many people. When I was there, I was super impressed and happy as well to see the people using the project to that level. Very nice. Like true, truly, truly, true crowds waiting for uh, this promenade that is, of course, beautiful with or without the project, but the project also adds a lot of functionality and a mm -hmm. lot of things to do, a lot of selfie spots, people taking photos. <laughs> so that, that, that's definitely one project that uh, I think that I'm very happy to have done. Also because, actually, I could say that it was very challenging. It's a project that would ship all from China and we also shipped also 20 Chinese workers with us. So oh, all wow. together to go to do it there because the client there it's not that they, I mean, at the end, I think that it was equally expensive than to build it there, but they didn't want any hassle. They didn't want yeah. any trouble. They wanted to, you know, like, ask to do the job. And like the experts so we, to do the job. Exactly. So that's, uh, that, that essentially was very challenging because also we had to go there. And I mean, I, I to stay there for about, I didn't do it. It was my partner, though, but she stayed in Dubai for two months while construction was going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other two months, the construction was in Shanghai because we shipped all the pieces in 20 containers. So it was an entire process that, of course, was challenging. And it's a project that from which we have capitalized a lot upon. And the other one, I would say, uh, is the Pixeland. It's a project that is done with a lot of different pixels. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's definitely a project that has contributed a lot to our portfolio because 
is the first project that belongs to this, let's say, middle scale, although it looks like our projects, right? But it belongs to a, a more like landscape architecture nature, you know, because it's more like real landscape architecture. Of course, we make it look as we always do, uh, as a, a hyper-stimulating uh, space, but it's more like landscape, traditional landscape architecture. That would be the, the category that it falls in. Okay, this this sounds like really cool project, and I'm going to share the project on my story just so everyone, you know, when they're listening to the episode, they they have the ref a reference because I saw Please them. Do. I think yes. you introduced so you talked about them in the webinar that we had last week. Also, I did it exactly. Yes. Okay, so I want to talk about your design process a little bit, like from when you you know you think of your idea or you get a client with an idea. Just work, can you just quickly walk us through like your design process? Sure. First of all, I would like to say that in our office, we have uh, and the, the nice situation that uh, I think that we have a very horizontal scheme, a structure, okay. sorry. So in the, the somehow everybody proposes from the Bay trainee to mm. even the sometimes people who works in administration mm. to, to, to the project leaders or, or us, the directors. So in that regard, who comes with the idea doesn't really matter, which is really cool. We maybe like uh, as the directors, uh, we are very much uh, involved maybe in that creative direction moment, especially in order to, to have a project that is 100 architects, you know, because mm -hmm. now we are sort of defending, not defending, it's not the word, but somehow shaping the brand, right? And it's already, yes. at least in China, we've been growing little by little and it is a brand, in fact. So with all that situation going on, uh, that's essentially our job, mostly. Uh, related to design, at least, and uh, the process, yeah, I mean, the process is, is, I think that it's kind of simple, but we try to get ideas that are outstanding in terms of differentiating themselves from the regular landscape architecture. That's super important. Like, we start by doing stuff that, that it needs to be different, you know, that's some, okay. somehow a, a part of our... Uh, sort of guidelines from okay. from the very beginning. If it doesn't look special, you know, <laughs> it doesn't really really work for us. But just a few things that are I think that very important here that I would like to mention, like how we design essentially, is well we already said about pop controversial, so it needs to have this particular uh, color, this uh, alienated from its surroundings. So those are actually concepts that we need to have. But on the other hand. We always work with, we said, hyper-stimulating architecture. So it needs to be, as well, architecture that invites the user not only to, like, for example, in, in the traditional landscape architecture, to, to sit down and to enjoy the nature, which I, of course, believe that is very nice. But uh, in this case, we do the other type of architecture, architecture that we want architecture to make you scream, if necessary, to make, you, to make you laugh, to make you run, to make you want to climb a wall. You know, mm -hmm. I want our <laughs> like interactive, in, absolutely interactive, but not necessarily even in the in the digital way, but really the, the relationship that we want to create mm -hmm. and establish with our users. I want it to be very, very, uh, uh, very close. I want this intricate topographies to allow users to to interact in a much closer way. You know, to with the objects and the space with the appearance, with the morphology, with the, we want the users to jump, to sit, to lie, to, to, to watch, to take selfies, to upload to the web. I mean, this is the entire thing 
that that we want to do. So always our projects have this sort of like mixed use of activities okay. for the public space because we define different, you know, like uh, di different activities. Like one square meter is for seating, another you need how much space for climbing, you need how much space for, I don't know, uh, uh, launching, just, you know, having a nap or yeah. whatever. And then how, how much space do you, do you need for, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, swinging and, and, and sliding. So then when we put it all together, like we create a stimulation. It's a hyper-stimulated space, you know? So mm -hmm. in that regard, I believe that that's very important because besides the concept of what we are working with, that all, also we work with this idea of uh, the, the uh, fantasy space. So somehow the space needs to be fantastic, needs to resemble something. It's a little bit of the pop part, of, instead of, not, not, in this case, not controversial, but pop. So if it resembles something, According to, to some th theories of architecture, when you look at a shape, mm -hmm. uh, I think Char Charles Hanks used to say this, when you look at a shape, immediately your brain resembles something else. So there's some buildings that you look and it looks like, I don't know, like a, like a fridge or some other buildings that look like a stack in boxes. Some mm -hmm. other things will look like something else, like a nest or whatever. So, but in... in in general, traditional architecture has worked in that way as well, but in, in a more, let's say, abstract or geometrical way. We try to be more literal. We, okay. if we put it somehow, like we want our projects to be, I don't know, is that a shower? Is that for real? Or yeah. is, that a, is that a chess board? Or is that, a, I don't know, is a, what is that even? You know, like, is, so we, we try, we, we really try to make it sort of a, a like a, a very shocking, surprising first appearance. And I believe that that's also very much related to, to, to the architecture of the hyper-stimulation. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know, I think that is that also relating, I, I'm jumping here one thing to another, but I think that it's <laughs> interesting as well to mention, eh? that is related also to the fact that, that the, the new generations, you know, what are they seeking? The millennials yeah. are experience seekers, and so so what is actual the actual public space or the entertainment space of the future? Mm -hmm. So I I mean I cannot say because this is not scientific. This is just a, a speculation at the end. But I can tell that I do believe that eventually the public space of the future is a lot related to this. You know, like uh, millennials and the new generations, they they need to be hyper stimulated. They they need all type of sensory stimulations. And uh, I think that somehow public space throughout so many years in the past, it didn't really change. It was pretty much the same. So in this case, it's, it's sort of little by little changing. And, and we are this is our proposal, you know? Our mm -hmm. proposal is an answer to, to this reading that we are doing of the current situation of okay. what is going on now, you know? And also adding to that as well is that the fact that public space as a concept itself is also changing because I think yeah. that I said something in the webinar about this. Also, the fact that, that you know, like uh, public space a lot of times now is, is privately owned and serves the purpose of commercial space. And those are intimate, intimately linked and is uh, engaged to each other. And we have to understand it this way to have a successful scheme a commercial scheme, you need a successful also public space scheme. Mm -hmm. So all those factors that I'm saying now, 
are factors that we involve when we are passing through our design process. Uh-huh. We need to understand the different current situations because that's what they are. You know, they are like uh-huh. essentially there's hard evidence when you go to a shopping mall or when you go to any retail street or even when you are in a, in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Like what is needed now? I believe that. We need this type of like hyper. No, no. Of course, not everywhere needs to be like that. Or why that would be crazy. But (laughs) small pockets of the city they required an injection of identity. They required uh, architecture according to the spirit of time. And I believe that that is happy hyper stimulating architecture for the postmodern era. You know. Wow. That, that sounds like a very thoughtful, you know, process that you take. And essentially, it sounds like you really just try to understand what, you know, what the community needs, what the world is looking for in design and in public space. And then you, you know, start to develop those concepts. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh-huh. To, uh-huh. No, just to add one thing that essentially related to SM is because also the world now, when when technology, social media, online retail are replacing and eliminating the, the natural meeting places that we used to have, right? You don't need to go out of your place to to buy your to buy your groceries. You don't need to even go to the shopping mall to buy your clothes. So all this change has sort of pushed the the commercial operators to eventually first of all offer an experience out of the shopping instead of before there was essentially some utilities or something like that so that's very related but as well i would say that we believe that our design should of course explore ways to stimulate human interaction in the urban space because at the end of today at the end of the day human connectivity is the connectivity that triggers well-being happiness productivity and innovation Definitely, definitely. Those are great points. So speaking of public spaces, what what do you think the importance or why do you think it's important for us to have, you know, good designed um, or well-designed public spaces? Well, I think that, the, of course, a good public space is the one that impacts positively the citizens uh, in terms of health and well-being. That requires, I believe, you know, like a I think that is a lot of related to social sustainability. Okay. So openness, accessibility, walkability, free mobility, playability, shareability, social connectivity, and the sense of belonging to the surrounding of the public realm. Mm. And I believe that those are key keywords that we could say that a successful public space will have it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I believe that now if you ask me what do i think or at least according to the architecture that we do what does a contemporaneous and successful public space include what should include what must include well first of all what i just said i believe that should be contrasting with with this it context so context but by that i mean remarkable iconic colorful eye-catching or something okay. like that okay then we normally judge the its aesthetic independency so architectural object with, with, with some aesthetic independency, a singular shape in itself, that it doesn't mimic the surrounding. So that's essentially the second key point for us. Then pop and controversial. So as I said before, simple shapes to be understood at first glance and also something that could be uh, disrupting a little bit in a known cityscape that belongs to everyone. So that's essentially the controversial part. 
But then the fourth part uh, that is something that for us is very important because that all the rest is essentially just statics. Mm -hmm. The fourth is the the instant functionality. So mm -hmm. we all our projects are embedded with functions, with what we call instant functions, because they are like all of them for entertainment in the public space. And they are openly used from the exterior, providing of a programmatic landscape with condensed functions. So that's super, super important point for us. Like our project needs to be intensely and, and uh, densely functional, you know? In every yeah. single spot, there's something to do. So that's, I believe that is key of a modern successful public spaces. Wow, you know, um, that talking about instant functionality, it was actually your webinar that it made me, it kind of like a light bulb went off because it's not mm -hmm. a concept that I had actually thought about before. But when you said it, I was like, oh yes, that makes sense, you know? And I think your projects do that so successfully. So. Mm. One thing I really like and I really appreciate about your work is that you think outside the box or your designs are, they're, they're so unique, right? So I wanted mm -hmm. to ask actually, how come the name 100 Architect? It's a really good question because it has passed too many. As, as you know, as we started talking, we started talking about about the, the fact that ideas, that you don't have ideas, but you build them, right? Uh -huh, so, uh -huh. Handler Architect wasn't really Handler Architect, it was IOO Architects. Oh, wow. You know, and the, it uh -huh. was an acronym, so I don't, I don't know how to say it in English, but the, what it meant, it was interactive open objects. Mm. You know, little by little, when we started, we realized that that wasn't really representing what we were doing, and it was somehow misleading in a way. Okay. And uh, uh, then shortly after, we thought about 100 architects. 100 architects was better and it was easy to memorize. Not only that, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good because you could just read it in any single language. So yeah. I that was really good because like this, I don't, you know, like you have like, or, or, like I mean, it, it, it was a little slow process somehow because I analyzed from architects from the uh, 80s or from the 70s, when it was popular to be called SOM. Well, mm -hmm. that's way older actually, I see, and that's from the 60s or something, but, and then OMA, right? Or then, yeah. you know, like there, there's those, in the past it was, that that was the way, that was a, a cool name. And then uh, in the 90s, I think a lot of like, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the name of the architect and then an associates, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And that's like too, too serious for us, too serious. We cannot be called like that. And, and also, how do, you, how do you also, I mean, a perfect idea, I think that it's an idea that is perfectly rounded and it involves a concept in itself. And it's, the name is also sounds perfect. It's easy to remember. And the best example, which one is it? B.I.G. Yeah. Engels, Engels Group, right? Yeah. I think just... It's impossible to, to deny that this guy is a machine in, mm -hmm. in marketing, like from the very beginning, from the, from, from the name of his company. And also what it means, B, I mean, it cannot be better. It's just yeah. admirable the way that, that he thought about it. So, uh, so then, well, given all these antecedents, we thought that the, it was a really good idea to be called 100 Architects. First of all, because you can... It memorize it really easily and it's unusual and and you can you can say the name 
pronounce the name in any single language. You are from Spain, you are from Chile, in my case, we speak Spanish. You are from whatever place in the in the English world or or any any even even if you have not Arab numbers, you just your own numbers, you can just say it because you know the symbols, because yeah, the numbers exactly. are actually that, they are symbols. So that was really good. And the second thing, it, it like it's hundred, like the number hundred, I think that it stands for in a way for hundred percent, for mm. perfection, for completion, mm. for Something like in your mind is already hundred. It sounds like a big group of people, even though we were one person when we started. But yeah. it seemed like we were a lot. So it was actually a good thing, you know, because uh, we just start. And actually, a lot of time at the beginning, especially now we are a few. But in the past, we were only two. Then, then we were three architects. So people was expecting more, but no, we were only three. But <laughs> somehow, to to have this name also made a little bit of the fantasy that we were stronger than we were at yeah. that point. I believe that helped. Oh, wow. I think it's such a clever name. <laughs> so mm. we've been ta we've talked a lot about, you know, your designs and you know, kind of like how you work. So I want to ask you, what do you do in your free time? Well, I'm, I'm 33 years old at this point. So I still consider myself kind of uh, young, you know? Yes. So in, my time, <laughs> in, my, in my free time, I actually... Like during the weekends, for example, I party them all the way, Friday to Sunday, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like I disappear from the office, I go like with my friends, like having fun, you know, like I go to, to, to in Shanghai, it's, it's a pretty cool city for party. Mm -hmm. So you actually, that's something that they do during the weekends, of course, during my, I mean, weekdays, free time, that I don't have much. That's the thing. Like essentially, you know, like a, I work out in the morning, every morning, pretty much. I work out and then I go to the office a little bit later than, than, than normal people, maybe. And then I stay there until the end of the day, I would say. So I stay at the office from more or less 11 a.m. to uh, 8 or 9 p.m. And then I just go for dinner, maybe with my girlfriend or with some friend. And and, and that's my day, you know. Then I arrive to my place and I just uh, maybe read a few pages of the book that I'm reading at the moment mm -hmm. and th that's it I mean I don't have I don't watch tv I don't do any of that you know I just you know go <laughs> to 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 the office from I mean from I wake up in the morning I, I just go to work out immediately I come back I shower I go to the office and you know that's my day wow so you're you're I mean it sounds like you're pretty busy apart and I love how your weekends are you know for partying <laughs> exactly I mean I think, it, I think that that's that's at least for me, it's been a philosophy that this has been with me all the way. I mean, like, work hard, but also party hard, and let like, this yeah. have a good balance. And <laughs> it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be 50-50, of course, because that would destroy your body for sure. Yeah. But but maybe it's smart, I believe, to 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 really uh, you know let let yourself go. Uh, okay. a little bit, you know, like to <laughs> I, I like to party. So it's like the yin and yang. Right? Yes. So you have like a, a, a good balance of two things. And normally during the week, I just definitely not. But on Friday night, starting from Friday, I just always would go definitely for drinks with my friends or with my yes. girlfriend, as I said. I also, Saturday, normally those days, I've been, uh, since it's spring, there's a lot of rooftops in Shanghai that are really, really cool for partying. So I spend my afternoons there. And then Sunday is a little bit more relaxed because you need to start the detox for the rest of the week. <laughs> I love it. Right? 
So before I let you go, I want you to tell me three things that have inspired you in your career. Three things that have inspired me in my career. Yes. Th that's a difficult one. Eh? And you didn't <laughs> tell me before that you would ask that. <laughs> let me think. Uh, three things that have inspired me in my career. I mean, there's so many things mm -hmm. that have inspired me. I think that I told you before, uh, like experiences that inspire me, but I will leave them aside because that was when I was too young and maybe that is too easy to inspire a young person. <laughs> mm. I, I, you know, I mean, it's difficult to answer that question, but I'm going to tell you something that I believe that in this moment of my life, in mm -hmm. this moment of my career, I'm really inspired. Mm. You know, I, I believe that in the future because... I, I, or maybe I'm going to be always inspired about this, but I believe that I used to believe at least that uh, people is not always inspired. I mean, creative people pass through okay. moments of inspiration and they have like, I don't know, uh, like a, 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 for a few years or 10 years of their life, which were like crazy, creative, and they wrote all the books that they need to write. And then, you know, the last 10 years, maybe they didn't write anything. And they yeah. are remembered for those 10 years. So I don't know how long it's going to last my inspiration and my energies for this. Because maybe, you know, like I live in China. My family is in Chile. So mm -hmm. I don't know exactly if... Uh, I mean, I love what, what we are building here. Probably this is always going to be one of my, my bases. But my inspiration, when is it going to end? I don't know. And why am I inspired? Because I believe that we found... I sort of found uh, a niche. I believe that I have a need mm -hmm. between my hands that I can exploit. And that really inspired me. I think that I have something... I found an area of knowledge in which... Not everything has been said yet. And yes. I, I think that that is something inspiring because it's not very inspiring, I believe, to do houses. Although you might think that you are doing an amazing job, and maybe you are. I mean, the architect who is doing it. But what I mean is that this inspires me because I think that I'm creating knowledge and I'm creating something mm. that is not yet done. And, and then in the future, probably it's going to be remembered as such. Now... What really, like, the precise fact that inspired me, I, I, you know, it's really, really difficult to tell you just like this. I don't know. <laughs> no problem. Honestly, I, I agree with you. You know, when you say we don't always, we're not always inspired. We, you yes. know, it's up and down. Exactly. It happens by, you know, segments of, of your life, I believe. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Marcel, for coming on and, you know, just being willing to share your experience and being so honest and open during our episode. So thank you so, so much for your time. Well, thank you very much to you. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was great, really, this experience. And, and I'm very happy that you invited me to participate.